It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. For the 16th of July, can the Jazz actually be a running team and get them out and open? That'll rely a lot on whether Mike Conley can run. We'll talk about that. Kevin Pelton gets his projections out for the bubble season. Where do the Jazz most likely finish? And your questions on a live edition of Locked Ah Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way more fun to be a jazz fan. Uh, Salt City Framing jumps in right away, says, Missed you the last couple of days. My apologies. It just didn't. Uh, we were on the roll road, and it just did not work out for me to be able to get Tuesdays and Wednesdays shows up. So I apologize uh, for doing that. Um, I wish I wish I could have, but it just didn't quite uh, happen. So I uh, hope you understand. We were out in Southern California. My daughter was playing in a golf tournament, and when the tee times are early, it just doesn't always work. So, uh, but I'm back now. No more travel for me. We're about to get ready and starting. Exciting news. Keep you an eye out, by the way, for a little news notes today. There might be. Um, a little, little bit news notes for you that you'll like as a Jazz fan. Uh, we're 14 days away from a regular season broadcast coming your d- direction. On the 30th of July, the Jazz will get playing. So, all right, let's dig in. Because one of the big things that we've talked about on this show is the Jazz with a smaller lineup without Boyan Bogdanovich. With the, my opinion is the Jazz are going to play faster and they're going to be smaller and that they're really not, that, that that's going to be the biggest change that we see out of this team is that they're going to have to do stuff earlier in the shot clock um, and, and get some shots up in, in the early shot. If, if you look at 22 to 18 on the shot clock, the Toronto Raptors, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Houston Rockets all had the most possessions in that time frame, along with Washington and New Orleans. I think that's relevant because I think running could be more effective in the bubble than other styles of play. We were in the bottom group of that. We're the third fewest amount of possessions of any team in the NBA in the 18 to 22 portion of the shot clock. Now you get to 15 to 18 and we're still in the bottom half, but not as much. We're, we actually come in at about, let me do quick math, about 22nd. Um, what's interesting about the Jazz is when you get us to 7 to 15 on the shot clock, we're great. We're, our effective field goal percentage is number one in the NBA. Uh, only Dallas is, is next, uh, is even close to us. We're a point and a half better than everyone else. So once we get into our offense and get into our actions, that's when Quinn Snyder's offensive system works at its best, and we've been at our best. Um, now what there's a little bit of a, of a push, I think, with Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson being your leading scorers, of whether or not we can get out and get into things a little earlier. Now what's interesting about doing this is I think a lot of this falls back onto Mike. So if we go to 18-19 and the the 18-19 season and we look at 18-22 to on the shot clock, the Utah Jazz are the seventh 
fewest amount of possessions that come into that 18 to 22 a year ago. Memphis was the fifth fewest, right? So there's Mike running the show, wanting to get into his half-court sets with the likes of Marcus Gasol for most of that season. And understand, if you go to 15 to 18 on the shot clock, Memphis had the fourth fewest amount of possessions in that realm, and the Jazz moved to the middle of the pack a year ago. Uh, even if you look at, you know, 16-17 Memphis, which again, now that's Zach Randolph still, that's who they are. You know, we were low uh, We were low on the totem pole here. We were the second fewest. What gets interesting is that Memphis actually moved up a little bit. Uh, they weren't doing it a lot, but they weren't, they, they, they were actually, excuse me, they're still in the bottom. They're 28th in the league right next to us in that time period. So, as, as I keep talking about, and I might be dead wrong because of this. This is a little bit of my point. Us playing faster. I'm doing interviews on 1280 The Zone. We're doing it here on Lockdown Jazz. I keep talking about us playing a little bit more quickly without Boyan. I might be dead wrong on this. Because the player who plays the most fast break possessions on our roster, Boyan Bogdanovich. He actually was the fast break player. Boyan was able to get early catch-and-shoot relocations. He actually used 20% of our transition possessions this year. So when I suddenly start talking about, well, we're going to run more, we're going to be out more, we're going to be moving more, we're going to be faster. Without Boyan, because we're going to be smaller and we're the leading drive team in the NBA, so maybe we're driving earlier into possessions and all. Might not have a lot of backing on this. Because of all things, Boyan was the one who actually got out faster with that early catch-and-shoot opportunity. And I think that's what we're talking about with that catch-and-shoot. Donovan used 15% of our possessions. Donovan's using him to drive to the basket. That When Donovan, over about half of his fast transition opportunities, Donovan's getting in the open court. He's going to the basket. Royce, open court, going to the basket. Some catch-and-shoot, some going to the basket. Joe Ingles is going to have to take the Boyan Bogdanovich role in this, where Joe Ingles is suddenly taking, getting out, getting that early catch-and-shoot relocation opportunity. Joe's only using 7% of our transition opportunities. He's now, instead of going back to get the ball, playing with the ball in his hands, Joe's going to have to get out, get that early catch-and-shoot, that quick-hitting part of Boyan. And what's interesting about Boyan is that's actually how Boyan was as well in Indiana. We talked about that in the offseason. That he was one of the guys that was going to have the most catch-and-shoot opportunities for this team. Excuse me, one of the most early opportunities for this team. And he needed that. Like, he's actually an open-court shooter, open-court uh, catch-and-shoot guy. For Mike Conley this year, obviously injuries. Only 7% of our transition has been Mike Conley. He's doing it equally amount as a driving layup and a catch and shoot, but they're few and far between. They're, they're about one per game for him. Whereas Boyan, it was about two, two and a half a game uh, for do that. So it'll be interesting to see how the Jazz can find that early opportunity. The other one is Rudy. So Rudy is at less than one fast break transition opportunity game, often because he's rebounding and outletting. And so it's not a great opportunity for him. But can we get Rudy out and running off the rebound and get a few more uh, of those opportunities? Jordan Clarkson, 
kind of he'll he if he gets it and goes he's probably willing to drive to the basket a little bit Emmanuel Moutier actually for his limited amount of time uh is pretty relentless in that open floor game the basket he's one of them but the 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 concept that I've been talking about this idea that we're going to play more open court push the basketball a little bit more drive a little bit more this Orlando reboot that I've talked about I actually think it's going to come down to whether or not Joe can take the 20% of transition opportunities that are being used by Boyan Bogdanovich and whether or not Mike Conley can break out of kind of the Memphis and Utah style that he's played the last few years and really pushed the basketball. And so those are two big things. Like when we, you know, it's a logical comment. Well, we've gotten smaller. We'll get faster. We'll get out there. But the guy who actually was running the most for us was Boyan. So I think it's going to be a little interesting on whether or not we can do that. Kevin Pelton came out with his projections, percentages of where we could finish two, three, four, five, six, seven. Have those for you. It's pretty interesting. And it really fluctuates a great deal. Today's show is brought to you by Intercap Lending. Steve Carter is a gem. Steve Carter is our loan officer at Intercap Lending. He has helped so many locked on people. And if you're looking to buy a house right now or you're selling your house and you need a loan officer, Intercap Lending and Steve Carter is the guy. It makes me so happy when locked on's able to, to help out our people. Steve Carter has been able to do this. We have a corporate account that is uh, completely for locked on listeners. So make sure when you call Steve, you tell him that you're with Locked On. Steve numbers 385-885-28. Here's how I can describe. Good dude, hyper-responsive, gets deals done. Why is Intercap had such amazing growth? They get deals done. 40 years in the mortgage company, so they're not a new player, but they're innovative. They've done a wonderful job with their apps. In this day and age, you can do most of your stuff via the apps. We did almost all of our stuff during the app when we did our refi. They'll save you a bunch of money. The rates are terrific. So give Steve Carter a call now. 385-800-8528. That's 385-800-8528. Intercap Lending. NMLS number 19-0465. Intercaplending.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Crown Ogden. You can see it in the background of the live show. The great little trophy I've got back there. Uh, from Crown Ogden, from Matt Lund over at Crown Ogden. The Locked On t-shirts, you probably have seen those populating the internet a little bit recently. Those are uh, done by Crown Ogden. And if you're looking for anything to reward workers, to do any of these type of things, this is what uh, Matt Lund and Crown Ogden are all about. And I, I love Matt's passion toward giving you, uh, giving you know, people the recognition for their work. He has such pride in trying to make sure that everything looks great. So whether it's laser engraving on just about anything, traditional plaques, glass, crystal awards, sand craving, custom acrylic, t-shirts like Lockdown just did, labels, tags for any construction requirement. The whole entire business is based on people gathering and celebrating the best things in life. And we obviously are limited in doing that. So Crowd Ogden wants you to be able to touch those same items still today. Give Matt a call over at Crown Ogden, Crown Trophy at crownogden at gmail.com, Crown Ogden on Facebook, or call Matt at 801-621-2055. That's 801-621-2055. I want to get to uh, your phone calls, or not your phone calls, sorry, that was an old reference, your chat room uh, questions. 
uh, as well. So please throw those into the chat room. We're live on Twitch. We're live on Periscope. We're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. Uh, we'll try. We're live on Instagram. So please jump in with your questions. I also want to share with you Kevin Kelton and what he has for the restart projections here. So let's see what Pelton has. Uh, quickly, quick check of, of the play-in game. He thinks there's a probably a chance for a Memphis-New Orleans play-in. Almost no chance in the Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference seeding doesn't have a lot of flexibility. Milwaukee's going to be the one seed. It looks like Toronto will be two, Boston will be three, and Miami will be four. So the story is going to be whether Philadelphia or Indiana is five or six. And whether Brooklyn and Orlando is 7 and 8, but I'm not sure it matters. I think you'd rather play Brooklyn than Orlando, but I'm not sure Toronto or Milwaukee have any problem. The West is different. Uh, Lakers are going to be the one seed. Laker, Clippers likely the two seed. And then there's just no probability. It's crazy what Pelton came up with. So first one is Denver is a 53% chance to be the three seed. 53% flip a coin. They could be the two, unlikely. Could be the four, could be the five. The next most likely is that Dallas is a 52% chance of being the seven seed. Only 52%. Again, flip a coin. So, and that's the most likely which is barely likely. Then the next highest number on the board is Oklahoma City has a 31% chance of being the sixth seed. What, less than one in three. They could float anywhere from three to seven, as could most teams. The next number is Houston, 28% chance of being the four seed. So, and then the next number is Oklahoma City 25% 5 seed, Houston 25% 5 seed, Jazz 25% 5 seed, Utah 25% 4 seed. Those are the most likely scenarios. In other words, there's not a lot that's likely here. So let's walk through by seed. Again, one and two are in the 90th chances. Seems likely. The third seed... In most scenarios, is Denver, but the next most likely is Utah at 20%. The fourth seed is most likely Houston at 28%. However, the next most likely is Utah at 25, Denver at 22, Oklahoma City at 16. The fifth seed, the most likely, is either Utah or Oklahoma City or Houston, all the exact same. At 25%, Dallas at 14 and Denver at 11%. Denver's really interesting to me. Denver has all this positive talk about them. I get it. On the other end, they lose their number one advantage, which is altitude. They were a terrible playoff performance last year. It seems strange to me that... It, it, it will be, it, it, the chances that they've matured, they've come together, they've all gotten a little bit better and that they just make the natural growth step out of last year. But Denver has lost their number one advantage, which is altitude. So have we. 
And last year's playoff performance was not impressive. Losing to Portland, barely getting by San Antonio. And so to me, there's a little bit of a question about Denver. Frankly, there's a huge question about Utah without Boyan and losing altitude as well. I'm not trying to ignore that. So when you start to look at these numbers, I don't even know who's picking who they want to play. The irony to me that I'm heading toward is that Utah ends up playing Denver. One of them gets out of the first round of playoffs when I think both of them are incredibly vulnerable right now. The sixth seed is most likely Oklahoma City at 31%, but Dallas at 24%, then Houston, and then Utah at 19%. And the seventh seed, as we said, Dallas at 52%, but even Houston's got a 19% chance, Oklahoma City at an 18%, and Utah at 10%. There's two parts to this story. One is, this is going to make the eight seeding games insane and crazy and out of this world. Because of the fact that, like, it could change anything. But then there's the other aspect. Like, does it actually matter? Right? Because there's not home court advantage. And I don't know, like, do we, do you really, like, Denver's the best record team of the group. Utah's the second best record team of the group. And both of them, I think, are the teams you want to play. They've lost their number one advantage, which is home court altitude. And then Utah's missing a player. Houston has the most star talent, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. And Oklahoma City's just this crafty bunch that might just have this style of game that works perfectly for what we're doing in the bubble. And to me, personally, Dallas is the team you don't want to play. They can shoot it, they've got great offense, and they've got a player that I don't think we realize how great he really is yet in Luka Doncic. So it's... There's five teams. There's all these different spots. You don't really want to play the Clippers, so you'd like to stay out of seven. But I don't really want to play Dallas. I kind of want to play Denver. Denver wants to play us. Houston and Oklahoma City, let's see what happens. It's crazy because every day is going to switch, but I'm not sure what your emotions and how you're going to feel about it are, if that makes any sense. All right, let's go to our questions. From Luscious Lou. Woo! Way to go. Lou, self-proclaimed on Twitch. Uh, what do George Niang numbers look like with the inevitable expanded role? I don't know whether that expanded role is per se inevitable. Uh, there are minutes to be had there. It does, you know, he's been crazy effective in his role. Quinn has used him very well. So that he's usually in a position to succeed. What we don't know about George's game yet is if that 13 minutes becomes 20, does something get exposed? Does he maintain his effectiveness? In the right matchup, in the right time against Oklahoma City and your power forward's not that great? Sure. But George has only played two games the entire year of over 20 minutes and one of them was a 33% point 33 point blowout of the Golden State Warriors and the other was like the second game of the season against the Lakers so the expanded role we just haven't seen and I'm not utterly convinced it actually happens I'm more convinced that we start to slide guys down the other way um is the way I would say it is that 
Suddenly, you're just playing more small minutes. Moutier plays some four. Clarkson, Conley, Mitchell, and Ingles play together. So I think that there's more possibility of just other minutes being distributed than necessarily George's role expanding. And I think George is doing what he's doing great uh, with that shooting. But we'll see. Is there an assumption the Jazz are going to run more or are you getting info from the coaching staff? Uh, from Russ and Karen on Facebook. I just have thought if we're going to be this small, we're going to have to get out and go. But the more I analyze us getting out and going, as I've talked about in this show today, I'm not sure that that's really there. And that's a little bit of my point. More questions coming from you. We'll find out uh, what your guys' thoughts are. A uh, bunch of questions. Moody 8, I see. Uh, Conley questions, I see. Uh, we'll get your Facebook, your Instagram questions as well as we continue. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. Located at 4646 South State Street. Also located in Logan and Linden. The Santa Fe is a family favorite. I got to say, we've purchased two of them already. I'm driving the Sonata. Don't tell Blake, but I had a buddy in town this week who had to borrow the car. I got a text. This Hyundai is sweet. Absolutely. And he was stunned at the price. And that's what ends up happening when you dig into Hyundais. You're stunned at how nice they are. You're stunned at how many val- how much value you get. And you're stunned at how low the price is. If you're looking for a car right now, make sure you include a Hyundai on your list. You don't have to, you can do what you want. You choose what you want. But at least take a look and understand the value that you can get with a Hyundai. Whether it's in Logan, Linden, or at 4646 South State Street. And if you do, please give me an email first at DLOCK09 so I can make sure that you have a meeting set up for you when you get there and you get the VIP treatment that you deserve. Email me at DLOCK09 at gmail.com before you head into Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show also brought to you by the store, 6200 South 20, the home of the mudslide cookie and home of the Locked On Mudslide ice cream. Jeff and Scott, can we start talking about something other than mudslide ice cream? Okay, we can talk about all of Utah's own. The great ribs in the back, ready for you. Just heat them up for 20 minutes. The enchiladas, the pot pies for the winter, probably not for 100 degrees summer. All of the great food that's pre-prepared. All of the Utah uh, owned companies, whether it's the chips we love, whether it's Salsa Diablo, you get the local flavor. You get the community feel at the 1600 South and 20th store. And you get the urban feel downtown at the Gateway. I was there uh, just the other day at the Gateway. All of the safety precautions are there. The mudslide cookies are still in there. They're there in their own little bags for you. Had a great time uh, checking it all out and actually grabbed a little sushi uh, at the store and then sat down on one of the benches at the Gateway and had myself a lunch. Stop by the store, 600 South, 20th East, also located down at the Gateway downtown. Stop by and grab that mudslide cookie. It always makes you feel better. From Salt Lake City Framing on Instagram, who rebounds when Rudy is off the floor and outlets? I can't see them running with no rebounding. You know, you then uh, the the interesting one, and you bring is is that Boyan's just not a rebounder. You know, Boyan's an, a, a really poor rebounder for his position. For all the things Boyan does super well, that's not one of them. So I do not think that losing Boyan is going to hurt us rebounding wise. Now, Joe's going to have to go back down for rebounds and Royce is going to have to rebound. He rebounds pretty well for his position. 
But there's a great way to look at your rebounding ability. And sometimes it's hurt by having a dominant rebounder like Rudy around. But Boyan Bogdanovich grabbed 11% of all available defensive rebounds. If you think about that, that means if we every player had an equal chance to get the ball and a rebound, it would be 10% because there's 10 guys on the floor. So he's at 11%. Now Rudy's grabbing most of those, and so you got to understand that a little bit. But frankly, Boyan was at 11% in Indiana two years ago. He's at 12% the year before that. He's not a very good rebounder. So Royce, Joe, Donovan are going to have to rebound a little bit more than they've been rebounding before uh, to uh, take up the rebounding, and you're going to have to rebound a run. But so many teams in the league, frankly, don't offensive rebound anymore that defensive rebounding is not that difficult. We just have had problems this year in key late-game situations. Final five-minute defensive rebounding is very different than first 48-minute defensive rebounding in basketball games. And I think that's that's a key thing to keep an eye on. Uh, Riley Hansen on Instagram. Rudy pays, praised Tony Bradley on Twitter the other day. Did you hear how he's doing in the return? Tony Bradley has been kind of the murmur and talk of all everything that's going on, both maturity-wise in his interviews, maturity-wise with his coaching, his play uh, so far. And then Rudy yesterday in the media uh, Zoom session gave him great praise. So I think you're beginning to see uh, fabulous steps in Tony Bradley. Remember, he came to us as a 19-year-old kid. He was the youngest player in the summer league last year. So the fact that he's making growth right now uh, is not surprising. This is kind of the natural progression. Uh, Nate Williams, will the scrimmages be televised? I don't know. Let me check my email and see if I have a press release telling me if the scrimmages will be... Um, nope, I have no press release telling me that these scrimmages will be televised. Uh, Matt Moon, can you introduce me to Joe Ingles? No, he's in a bubble and he's not allowed to interact with you, Matt. That would mean quarantine for 10 days. You can't have that. Uh, where is Locke found on Twitch? Locked on live is the answer to that one from Utah Esports. Locked on live. Gilad says, what is the one thing that might happen in Orlando that will make Utah a contender next year? I mean, I think that would be Mike Conley picks up his option. He gets in a rhythm with the team. They figure out how to use him better. He's relaxed. And the Jazz have made progress in figuring out how to use Mike Conley. And then I think just another very intense playoff series for Donovan and Rudy is important. We forget how young Donovan and Rudy are. Like when we, when we're suddenly looking at this conversation about where teams are, like LeBron's 17 years in the league, Anthony Davis, right? They're vets. Look, Kawhi's won a championship, vet, right? Like Paul George, 10 years in the league, vet. These guys are just, these are the guys Donovan and Rudy have to beat. Donovan and Rudy just have not been in the league that long and experience matters a huge amount. So, you know, I think the most important thing they get here is the, that playoff intensity and a playoff run, even without Boyan, that gives them some level of experience that they can take with them in the future. Zach Bogdan, does seeding even matter since no home court? In theory, no, but opponents do, right? Would you rather play the Lakers or Clippers in the second round? Does that matter? Seeding matters much less. Opponents matter still, right? In the East, you don't want Philadelphia. You want Indiana at this point. If you're one of those teams. You want Brooklyn. Not Orlando. If you can do it. Um, while watching a classic game last night, I noticed Moody and Clarkson seem to play very well off each other. Now that Bogey is down and lineups will change, do you see them getting more time together? 
I think I see Moutier playing some hybrid minutes. Like, I don't know. I just think I see us playing. So we'll start Joe, Royce, Donovan, and Mike. I think there'll be an early substitution that gets Mike Donovan or Joe off the court. They're basically, those are our point guards. Your next substitution, your obvious Tony's and Rudy are all 48 minutes at center. Your next substitution is Clarkson. Your next substitution after that is George. So now we're at eight. Your ninth guy is Moutier. He's got to play. And you're going to play Moutier ahead of Jarrell Brantley or Jawan Morgan. He's just more experienced. So I just see Moutier playing. I don't know how, but like you just have to have minutes, right? We've done this game with Boyan's minutes a few times on Lockdown Jazz. Hopefully you've been a part of it. And that is that you, you like, it's great to say, well, Joe will take his minutes. Well, Joe's already playing 28 minutes. Well, Mike, Mike's already playing, tw- like, boy, we got 31 Boyan minutes that have to get distributed. Somebody has to come get some of them. As we just talked about, like, George is playing 14, so he goes to 18. Does he go to 22? He's only done that once, twice in two games all year. So I think Moutier's got to play, and then he just plays at some... I just think... We're, that's why I keep saying I think we're going to be faster and quicker is we're going to be so small. But then, as I talked about in the show, the data's hard to back that up. So I think it'll be really interesting. Who will replace Mike Conley when he leaves? Well, he's not leaving for... If we play next year, just like all the next... He's not leaving for 18 months or more. So I haven't even thought about that. Del Toledo... Experts are saying Jazz are going to run more because the ball in Conley's hands. I seriously doubt that because Quinn's teams have never played fast, even though I think they should play fast. Well, and Mike's never played fast. I don't think it's Quinn. I mean, honestly, the interesting thing to me is Mike's never played fast. So you got a double combination of guys that haven't played fast, and the guy that played fast is the guy that got hurt. So I've said the same thing. I'm one of those experts, and I've think we might be wrong. Back over to Instagram. How do you think pace will change with no fans? And do you think the Jazz pace will be affected? No fans is real. I think better teams will win more often. Like if you think about a playoff series, and the Jazz and the Lakers play in a playoff series right now. The Jazz would be favored in probably game three at home and game six at home and probably a push in game four at home. Now the Jazz will be an underdog in every game, right? So I think favorites are going to win more. There'll be all this talk about how the bubble is creating blowouts. It's actually no home court that's creating blowouts. The better team should win more often. Teams will be favored for all four games of a playoff series instead of three or four. So that'll be very, very different. The players have talked about how runs will not feel like they're as big a deal. Be interesting to see that. Donovan talked about it in one of the Zoom calls that when the team goes on a run against you, it's 8-0, you're not going to feel it as much because there won't be fans. So no home court will impact favorites. Momentum of games, no fans. And the wild card to this is I think the games will be called differently by officials. I think that'll be a major aspect of it. I also wonder whether players might be able to play a few more minutes in this setting. They're not traveling. They're playing every other day. They should be at peak performance. 
I think you're going to be able to take your guys three or four more minutes. And they're going to have a long time to get ready. So that's my thought. Um, Zach Brogdon wants to know who will replace Mike Conley when he leaves the bubble. Ah, I get what you're asking. My apologies. I didn't understand. Um... So do we start Jordan Clarkson? We start Emmanuel Moutier? Wow, we get thin fast, don't we? Woo! That is... That is going to be... I mean, you lose two of your five starters and you lose $50 million of your salary. You're, 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 you're lacking guys at that point. No question. Yeah, that's a tough reality. Is when Mike leaves the bubble, we're really thin. And then, then guys have to play. That is Locked On Jazz. Thank you very much for tuning into the program today. I'll be back with you tomorrow. We'll dig more into some of these different aspects, talk about where the players, what the players' thoughts are as they finish their second week of the bubble. Nick Angstead filled in for me with Ben Golliver, who is in the bubble. And that's today's edition of Locked On NBA. So right now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of podcast, Locked On NBA. Have a great day. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.